Rob Thomas with Club and Resort Business, and welcome to this episode of Club and Resort Talks. This episode is brought to you by Relay. Dubbed the walkie-talkie killer, Relay is a leading disruptor of two-way communication with nationwide range and cloud-based software. Learn more at go.relaygo.com. And without further ado, let me, let me introduce our associate editor, Phil Karen. Phil, what's up? Rob, good to see you. Doing very well. Good to see you. Yeah, doing well. Hey, Phil, um, our November issue it just hit the press, uh, or just yes. hit the stands now, I guess. It's right. been in the press. We're hitting boom, boom, boom. Uh, one of our big features was the uh, top-ranked pro shops. Congratulations to Newport Beach and Atlanta Athletic Club, uh, the top two spots. Both fantastic pro shops. Uh, learn more at clubresortbusiness.com. But um, I got me thinking when I was growing up, pro mm-hmm. shops were really just a counter where you paid your greens fees, uh, yep. maybe a, a bucket of uh, 50 cent golf balls that were, you know, found in the woods or fished right. out of ponds, uh, you know, your bag of teas for 50 cents, whatever the case. Uh, right. Very few, like maybe a, a couple putters, maybe a rack of, of shirts right. with, the, with the logo on it, maybe. Maybe not. Right. So, sounds like the pro shop I grew up with too. Right. Absolutely. Right. So very much so. Yep. Now these pro shops, uh, I know the Newport beach, uh, country club pro shop has a, a pool table in it with the, uh, with the logo. It looks really cool. Um, but they're selling stuff like candles and handbags and I mean, a full line of clothes, whether it's, uh, you know, fancy stuff like Peter Millar, uh, mm-hmm. polo by Ralph Lauren or, um, you know, more hip stuff like, uh, Johnny O or uh, you know, t-shirts and hoodies now. Everything's going on. Um, I just got a, uh, I bought a hoodie and a t-shirt at the Atlanta Athletic Club just last uh, couple weeks ago when I was there. Uh, mm-hmm. So much different than when you and I grew up. And I think, yes. boy, were they missing out on so much revenue back then? Or were, were we, the golfing public, just not ready to uh, spend money on a, a, a handbag or a candle at, at the golf course? Uh, what do you think? That's an interesting thought, Rob. Um, I think with, you know, I think when we grew up, things were more, I don't know, how do I want to say it? We were sort of locked into our little worlds with things, right? So pro shop, that's for golf. That's for golfers. We're here to, you know, we're kind of literal about things almost, right? We're, we're going to get tees. We're going to get balls. We're going to get uh, a glove, if you will. Um, I don't know if they would have missed out on it or not. I feel like it's, it's just, it's kind of a case of different times now. And I think the internet helps too, with that too. You can use the internet to promote what you have much more easily. Whereas, you know, I, I think back to like the 1980s where we grew up, if we walked into a pro shop and saw a candle for sale, I don't know what people would think exactly. They'd be, certainly they'd be surprised. They would not have expected it to be there in the first place. Right. That's the whole right. thing. So I don't know if they would have been missing out on it or not. Obviously now though, it's, it's a great opportunity for them. Uh, Cause again, with the internet, you can kind of market what you have there and people can go in there uh, expecting to find those products in addition to the traditional golf items. All right. Well, what's next? We're going to find golf balls at uh, bath and body works. Or Yankee <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of crossover. Hey, a lot of um, crossover. Right. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned uh, my trip to Atlanta, Atlanta Athletic Athletic Club. I'm sorry, it's easy for me to say, right? Um, they just 
reopened their uh, Riverside course that was uh, redesigned by Trip Davis. Beautiful, fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's going to be our December uh, cover issue. But um, you recently went on a trip as well to uh, yep. the of Nebraska. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there? Sure, absolutely. Actually, my first trip as a member of Club and Resort business staff. Had a great time, went to uh, Omaha, Nebraska, uh, visited two clubs there, Champions Run and uh, also Field Club of Omaha. Uh, Champions Run, of course, was the, we had the, that is the cover story of the November issue of Club and Resort Business. Uh, terrific visit with uh, Andy Reid, Ben Lorenzen, and the whole staff. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Great visit, beautiful day. Uh, had a chance to play nine holes with one of the young pros there, Mitch Clues. Um, really had a great time there. Next day, I spent some time at Field Club of Omaha with Greg Guild. Uh, he's the general manager there. Got the tour. Did not get a chance to play golf. We were, had to catch another flight, but um, got to hear about the facilities and the clubhouse, uh, tour of the course. Uh, they're doing some work on the golf course right now. Um, he and I had a great discussion. The, one, the item that stood out the most from it was the fact that they decided three years ago to offer complimentary golf lessons to, to their golf members, the golf category members. And uh, it's gone very well for them so far. At the time when they started doing it, they um, were, well, by Greg's research, he said they were only aware of one other club that was doing it offering sort of complimentary lessons. They felt like they were on the forefront of something. And his background too, Field Club, just quickly, like Greg was telling me in our interview, he is, Field Club, unlike a lot of clubs, golf has not been the focal point of, of their operation. It's a fantastic course they have, um, but it's not been the focal point of their club's history. It's more centered on social activities. But Greg said they were trying to figure out a way to have golf memberships stay a little more consistent, if you will, over time and even boost it some more. Um, they have a capacity about 350, they estimate they can have at it. So they thought offering these sort of complimentary golf lessons would be helpful uh, to do that. And I recently had a chance to speak with him about it, why they decided to, a little more and why they decided to do it, how the program works, how it's benefited uh, the club so far. And also a little bit of what they're hoping to do in the future also had an interesting you'll hear on there too he has sort of an interesting thought on uh, to, a top golf facility was coming to the area and he talked a little bit about how top golf played a role them coming there played a role in their decision to have uh, the complimentary golf lessons our guest today on club and resort talks is greg gilg He's the general manager of Field Club of Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I actually traveled to Omaha about a month ago, and Field Club was one of my stops. Uh, Greg and I spent a couple hours talking about the club's history, future plans. And one of the topics we discussed was the club's decision in 2020 to offer complimentary golf lessons to golf members at the club. Uh, so I invited Greg to join us here on Club and Resort Talks to have a deeper discussion about the program. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Great. Excellent. Uh, first of all, talk about why you and your staff decided to offer the, the complimentary lessons to golf members. Yeah, so uh, I think if we knew that COVID was coming down, I don't know that we would have made the decision uh, the same way. But uh, it certainly, I think for us has been one of those items that 
has been a, a real significant boon to our golf membership. And so as we've kind of looked back, um, our golf professional, our golf staff and I, we're just kind of trying to figure out how can we push the number for our golf membership? We have a road going down the middle of it. We have some unique challenges to golf membership here. Capacity for us had always been 350. We are always really hovered around 300. We would add, you know, 15 or 20 every year and we would lose, you know, 12 or 15 of those. And so we had a kind of a net addition, but it wasn't quite what we wanted it to be. And we felt like, you know, if we could get to capacity, you're still mowing the greens the same amount. Uh, your, your maintenance budget might tick up a little bit with more rounds played, but you still have the same number of cards for the most part. You have the same number of golf professionals. And so we were looking for that one value add. The big change in our market as we looked at it, we did our market analysis was Top Golf was coming. And we felt like Top Golf would bring this introduction of a high level resource um, in, in our area to introduce people to the game of golf. That was what uh, the studies had kind of shown that Top Golf was doing to different markets. And for us, we felt like that was going to be very consistent here as well. And so when we looked at that, we said, well, okay, well, if, if, if it, it's expensive, right? Like Top Golf is not. And uh, we, we said, yeah, that, that's really our demographic but maybe not necessarily in people that are being introduced to golf, they're not going to jump right into a private club membership, but what they might do is they might go to those higher end publics. And if they go to those higher end publics, while the person that is being introduced to golf is not in our metric or our market, um, they're, they're, they're not the ideal candidate. Those higher end publics, the ones who are out kind of the weekend warriors or they're playing two, three times a week. Um, if the pace of play jumps from, four and a half or five hours up into that five and a half or six hour metric, we have a solution to that. You know, we're 5,200 yards. We're on 80 acres, small golf course here. Uh, pace of play is a big, big deal. Three and a half hours. Um, anything above that, uh, we, we, we start to mon monitor a little bit more. And so we felt like, you know what, if we have the solution for time, in the past, we'd even run campaigns, you know, time is precious. Um, let us treat it valuable for you as, as, as valuable as it is to your family. And we just had a lot of reasons that we felt like with location and all of those things, if we could kind of be a resource and be that additional one more step to get them over the ticker to say, okay, maybe private club membership with year round dues and all that comes with it and kind of the, the standard excuses that, that those um, that hang on to being able to play different golf courses and uh, don't have that financial commitment to, if we can eliminate or give one more reason as to why they should, should join with us or play with us, maybe this could be it. And, um, People want to play better, right? Like you, you, golf is a very frustrating sport. And we felt like right, uh, right. with our, and we had our team built really well, where we had uh, a strong instruction team and a good focus there that, you know what, hey, this is kind of a, a low risk. We already have it here, um, relatively low risk. Let's see what we can try out. And uh, certainly COVID has skewed our ability to, to really see the net effect, but I, I, our membership loves it. And it, the usage continues to, to climb, not just during COVID, but even years after that. So it's been really positive. Excellent. So, and you, before you started the program, you had told me your research found that only one other club at that time in 2020 was offering something similar. When you set this up, did you try to mirror what the other club was doing or use some of, some of its components, if you will? Yeah, yeah, so good question. So what we found was there was a club in Colorado uh, that had done something. We did a lot of research for the PGA of America 
And, you know, since then, there have been some other clubs that have done that. And, and I think um, I, I don't necessarily know that we had any new ideas. We were just kind of on the forefront of the concept of trying to do a, um, a total offering to the membership, um, whether it's not just take yoga classes or fitness classes and making those inclusive, but how do we apply that to all of our amenities? And I think uh, we do club events really well here. We were just building upon that. That's where the concept came from. In our research, we found there was one facility in Colorado, but it was a bundled fee. And so people are familiar with bundled fees being when I pay for range and I pay for handicap and those kind of items. As part of that bundled fee, you paid a little bit more and you got access to you know, an unrestricted um, lesson program. Uh, complimentary lesson program. And so we, we monikered or, or we built ours a little bit different in the sense that we, one of our core responsibilities was we said, how, how do we push this? Assuming that if we can get those additional dues, it's going to make the program totally worth it. We don't want to go to our board and say, hey, we need more money so that we can pay people more because now they're not going to, you know, the, the ambition and desire and drive to get lessons booked is not going to be there because it's just going to naturally come to them. We did have a cash outlay out front, but it was sold as this will pay itself off. And it did. I don't know how much of that was COVID related, um, but but we still see year over year the growth there that we want to see. And it is a valuable piece of what we're doing. Very interesting. So can you explain to a little bit how the program works as far as offering lessons with that? And again, yeah. it is... A, to make sure, I, I think I said that correctly, but just to make sure, clarify for the audience, is just the golf members that have access to the complimentary lessons at this point, correct? 100%, and that, that is an important clarification because so what we did was um, we, we've been full on social. We have a really unique uh, setup in the sense that our club, um, it has a very social focused or, or active membership but golf was always kind of the one that lags. So there's a lot of places golf is really the, the trademark and then you feel social and they wait for golf. Well, for us, we were feeling social, we still had golf capacities. And so even some of our sales pitches were, hey, if you wanna skip the wait list, just join as golf and you get social access. And um, that only works to a certain extent. So it was a really interesting time for us to be able to say, how do we get creative here? How, how do we be able to kind of tell people, hey, if you pay twice as much, um, you can get all the access that you want, even if you don't play golf. And so, um, yes, it's, it's just for golf members, social members. We have an hourly rate. It's similar to how you set up. Uh, we have a discounted social greens fee as opposed to our unaccompanied rate or even our accompanied rate uh, for, for non-members. Same thing for lessons is that there's an unaccompanied or there is a uh, social rate as well as an unaccompanied rate those fees um, get paid out to the professional as if uh, a normal setup that most clubs would have. The complimentary lesson program, we basically, we just took our team of golf professionals and we bumped them all up, assuming that they're not gonna be able to have this a similar uh, compensation structure. And so, yeah, absolutely. There's always the, you know, the, the 10, 20, 30, 40 bucks uh, for job well done, or if they're progressing, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to control that, nor do I want to. Um, you, you, want, you want them to be incentivized in that capacity, but we said, you know what, we're gonna commit to our professionals on a higher level and we don't want them out there um, forcing anyone to do anything or really suggesting that they need to do something that they don't, uh, a member doesn't. We wanted to re relieve the pressure um, and then also provide a lot of opportunities for them to get better, be introduced to golf. We had a couple, um, I guess, specific items we wanted to be able to do. We wanted to get 
uh, ladies and juniors, which is a growing demographic, not only for us, but certainly um, from, a, from a golf standpoint, we wanted to tap into that. We wanted to remove the fear of introducing to play golf. Uh, we wanted to be able to provide a resource, whether it's clinics, whether it's, it's individual lessons, whether it's small group lessons, to just, hey, get out there with your friends. This is, it, golf is so intimidating and even more so it can be very frustrating. How can we help? How can we get that? And, and we felt like, you know what, if we can start to win, just like in clubs overall, if you win the kids, you win the mom, if you win the mom, you won the game, you know, it, we're no different. I'm not gonna reinvent the wheel here. We Most all of our golfers, our core golfers, they're male, right? And so if we can get their spouses and their kids involved in it with them, gosh, at the end of the month, really all I'm looking for them to do is open up their statement and make sure their charges are correct. But I don't really want them looking at what the, what the amount is at the bottom. And we've done a better job of doing that. And this program has certainly helped. Excellent. So, and, and how has, I, well, you, you touched on that a moment ago, but just to expand on that, how has the feedback been from, from golf members about the program, about the offering? Yeah, so really positive. And, and one of the kind of the, one of the weaknesses, right? So we're on 80 acres. I mentioned earlier, you got a road going down the middle. We do not have a full driving range. And so we have a driving range tee that hits out onto an active fairway. So um, we had some built-in protections for us that are unique. So, you know, we're not, we're not out there seven days a week because when the golf course gets busy, especially on, off, it's the 18th fairway, when the golf course gets busy, we can't give lessons because you can't hit them out into an active fairway. And so we had some built-in kind of capacities that are restricted. So the way that we set it up, um, we have our director of instruction. We, we, we are closed on Monday, even though the golf course is open for play from an instruction standpoint, we're closed on Monday, Tuesday through Friday. Um, you have open availability to be able to book. We do those in hour long segments. If there is demand or if we start to press up, uh, we add additional instruction from an assistant standpoint or uh, they can always book private lessons as well. Those private lessons are also complimentary, but more of a one-on-one. -on -one. I really need to find this time that works within my schedule, but we have an open book with our director of instruction that anybody can pop in there and they have access within our system uh, to be able to book those. On the weekends, um, we do a quicker segment. It's It's a... 15 minute if you want to book, but then also our instructors will walk up and down um, the driving range tee that we have in the morning for for those guys that are playing primarily in those weekend mornings, or they hang around our practice facility. All right, we have some hitting nets, um, obviously have a practice green uh, chipping. And so we focus on the weekends, especially in the mornings, trying to do those final tweaks, those final tune-ups. We're not trying to break anybody down or anything. We leave that to the Tuesday through Fridays and, and figuring that part out. And so um, that that's the setup for us. Does that kind of get into your question there as to what you're, you're kind of looking for? Sure, absolutely. Well, and, and, and we were touching on this before we went on here a little bit. Talk a little bit about the sort of... Um, I guess maybe the most common type of player that's taking advantage of the lessons that you're offering. <laughs> yeah. So, so growth for us, um, just to give hard data and hard figures that really goes down into it. So we had um, in our first year of COVID, we had right around 500 lessons just underneath that. Um, the following year we bumped up to 800. That was in 21. Um, we're just shy of 1100 in 22 and our season's pretty much done here in Nebraska in November. So uh, popped up to 1100. We've, we've had to add um, and allocate more resources above and beyond just our director of instruction. But what we've also seen that's really interesting is actually the interest in lessons from paying people has gone up because as you have more golf members that are playing, 
um, and, and playing better and also, you know, speaking positively about the program, our interest in social upgrades to golf and then also social members becoming interested in golf has gone up. And so um, I, I just pulled up some data here as we were talking. Um, our our kind of tailor-made, what you would expect is, okay, we wanted to attack those getting into golf. Really, the people that use the program the most are those kind of bogey golfers that really there's just a metric they want to get down to that single digit handicap and so the, that's where we see continual progress of people rebooking we still we still struggle with they'll we'll get them out here for the mixers or the you know the the different programs from a clinic standpoint to introduce them to golf but getting them to get committed is still a hurdle that is still we we haven't perfected that don't have to say that we perfected it but out of those 1100 we have about 700 unique visitors within that and unique golf members there. And so we're excited about what that is between primary, um, primary, secondary, and then kids. We do, we have a pretty active junior program. Junior golf is, itself is an additional charge. We've kind of danced around whether or not we'll throw that into the program at some point, but for now it's not. Um, but anybody within the membership that's listed as an active member on the golf membership is included in that roster. And so we have 350 golf members as 700 unique golf members that are in that uh, roughly roughly about 400 adults and then the remaining 300 are kids that are taking lessons um, and parents love the aspect of dropping their kids off for an hour to have them um, you know spend on the range with uh, our, our director of instruction I think our director of instruction just feels like they're probably more uh, higher end babysitting but uh, that, that's uh, <laughs> I don't really care as long as they keep paying dues um, but yeah on, on both sides the metrics are up whether it's on the social side taking more lessons but then the interest on the golf side it, it for us it'll be it really um, what we're looking at now is how far does this program have from a growth standpoint before you get you're just kind of you're happy we, we, we feel busy let me put it that way. And we continue to allocate resources to it. That's positive. But at what point is some demand really good? You know, a wait list can be a really good thing for membership. At some point, do we get to the point where, you know what, hey, we're not, we're not just going to have a bunch of golf professionals that are standing on the side. So that those are the, the metrics for us right now that we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with. Right. So that was interesting here. Did I hear you say too, then it's sort of, were you saying that it's also um, you're often having people sort of a beginner, perhaps try it out one time with a lesson or two, and then they're not continuing to follow through and you'd like to try to work on more of a follow through with that uh, level of cat, you know, category, if you will, of player. Yeah. And, and, and just to build upon that concept, kind of the metrics that we're following very objective here, we try to be as best as we can. It's one, you know, too many, too often, um, you get subjective opinions, especially in a boardroom. Well, my buddies told me this. Okay, well, your buddies, do they really know and understand? <laughs> um, it, within this, one of, the, one of the things that we follow is the average handicap for our membership. And specifically, we then break that down even more so because data is just phenomenal now if you get the right programs in place as to how you can track that stuff. We even break it down and we follow the data associated with those that take lessons versus those that don't. And what we've found is we want to see whether or not our instruction is having effect on people playing better golf and whether or not even more so a key metric for us is pace of play. If, they, if we can get them in and on the golf course and through in a way that is 
um, beneficial to their family life because time is the most valuable resource, we can do our jobs better and people be happier. So for us, we have seen um, about an 8% decline since the implementation of the program in overall handicap for the membership. And then when you break that out in between those that have taken more than two lessons versus those that have taken um, two or less, it actually is even more in a stark difference. So it's about a 17% decrease in terms of handicap between those who have taken lessons two or more times, or sorry, more than two times, so three or more, versus about a, I think it's four and a half, 4.6, something like that, uh, percent decline in the overall membership. And so um, the other part too is, People during COVID, they played more golf than they ever had. And the more that you play, the better you're going to get. We're starting to see the play trends soften. People don't play as much as they did in 2020. I think it's because they have jobs that they have to go back to. Um, and so for us, or, or they're back in the office versus working from home, aka the, the golf course. Um, and so as we go into 2023, that's another metric that we're watching. It may not be a negative thing that the handicap either slows in its decline or even ticks up a little bit, just because people are playing less, you have to believe that, you know, if they're playing less, they're probably not going to have as good habits or we're, we're not progressing them. So there's a lot of things that we're monitoring there to make sure that we have the effect of the program. But um, a big, a big topic too, when we, we put it into, uh, put it into place at the board level was once you give, you cannot take away. And so a program like this, this is going to be part of our, for, for years to come. Right, very good. Okay, very interesting program. And for those listening today, if you're a club uh, that's offering something similar, feel free to drop me a line at uh, pcaron at wtwhmedia.com. Um, Greg, I appreciate you taking the time to stop by and talk about the program. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Phil. Really appreciate your partnership and all you do for um, us in clubs and, and the reporting there. Um, really thankful for you and your team. Appreciate it. And for those of you listening today, stay tuned for more installments of Club and Resort Talks. The episodes can be accessed at clubandresortbusiness.com. Until then, take care, stay well, have a great day.